Pumpkin Spice Podcast is back to talk about some of the spookiest movies out there. But this time, they aren't covering franchises. They're taking bus tickets to new cities to explore the horror happening all over the globe. So tune in to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a bridge burner podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out now. It's Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Hi, Craig here from the Bachelor Masters Podcast. Do you watch the Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, the Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a bridge burner podcast. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Bill Tilly. And I'm Rob Schulte. Bill, back at it, post-wedding. Yeah. Having a great time. Yeah. Now, see, the funny thing is, everyone's going to be listening to this months in the future and only realize this is the episode, (laughs) one of the first episodes we recorded after your wedding. It's great. It's the joy of time traveling through the internet. It's just Time means nothing to us, Rob. We're practically recording this inside a telephone box that is bigger on the inside than on the outside. <laughs> Quite frankly, time never meant anything to either of us. And this movie is timeless. So This movie is a thing. I'm not sure timeless is the word for it, but it, it definitely makes you feel the passage of time in certain spots. So, yeah. And really cements a certain time that Marvel was in. When they were making their movies. You're right. It really does. This is the eve of the MCU, this particular one we're going to look at today. So a lot of interesting things to compare it to. If you really think about what we would see just three or four years from when this movie dropped. Yeah, because Electric came out in 2005, Mm -hmm. right? And Iron Man's 2008. Yep. Wow. Yeah, this movie really is the... Dear, I think this might be the last mainstream Marvel release before Iron Man dropped. Wow. More on that later. Uh-huh. Uh, Bill, I do got to ask you a question, though. Are you feeling good now that you've tied the knot? I feel amazing. Anything you want to let the listeners in on? Any little stories, casseroles, anything? No, because if there's anything my wife now will tell you is that my skills in the kitchen are nowhere near ninja like yeah. uh definitely not anything where she might compare me to stick wandering around if stick actually couldn't see anything and was truly blind where i'm constantly <laughs> going where does this go now and why does it not live here and you know why is our dinner not coming out of a bag so 
<laughs> she has definitely uh, tried to do her best to keep me alive in a healthy way. And if you're going to get married, be ready for that. And it's it's great and terrible at the same time. Oh, tell me about it. I uh, also love that that longtime listeners will note that this is the first episode where Bill gets to say my wife and not my fiance. It is a rebranding. It's that thing where they've changed. It's no longer Three's Company. It's Three's a Crowd. And this is a whole new show. So. But it is great, and I will take this one quick minute to let everybody know, all you supporters of us and our friends of Bill and Rob's Next Adventure, thank you very much for all the kind words I got over this time and uh, well wishes. It meant a lot to me, so it was great. Thank you very much. And I had fun visiting Ohio, Bill. It was wonderful. It was great. It was great having you here. And we learned that you and I cannot watch a movie for fun in the same place anymore. <laughs> it's just not going to work. <laughs> what do you mean? Nope. I had a blast. <laughs> We did, and even though we didn't really watch that movie, and we're looking at each other going, like, we can't. We're going to use all our best material. We, we can't do this. That's so, fair. That's fair. Have to be a movie we don't plan on actually reviewing. Then we're good. Here's an idea. We could do, um, like, watch-alongs. We could do, like, commentary episodes where, like, the next time you and I are in the room together, uh -huh. we just set up the microphone and hit play and, and hey. re record at the same time. But. That would be great. You and I have done that. We did that with the holiday special yes. with Star Wars and Sidekicks. Oh, yeah. That was a hey. blast. Look at me calling back our own callback. Wow. Wow. Well, let me call on this back of the box segment of today's episode so that we can keep going. Uh, Bill, today we did watch Electra, and I have the back of the box right here, as you can see. Um, mm hmm and it, you know, of course, this is for people who may not have seen Electra and would like to know what it's about before listening to our discussion. The one thing I will say, Bill, is that this is definitely an of its time back of the box. Like sometimes people add their own little flourishes. And I think we'll, you'll, well, let me just read it. Here we go. Superstar Jennifer Garner proves that looks can kill as the sexiest action hero ever to burst from the pages of Marvel Comics. Mm -hmm. Restored to life after sustaining mortal wounds in Daredevil, Elektra now lives only for death as the world's most lethal assassin. But her latest assignment will force her to make a fateful decision in the ultimate battle between good and and evil. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. Bill, um, how does that make you feel? <laughs> it makes me feel like I want to find out who determines the ultimate battles. Yes. What is the criteria? Because this ultimate battle happens a lot. Oh, Lord. That's just kind of a general movie thing. But this, this, that back of the box makes me feel... Like, wow, I'm glad the MCU did get here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that this heavy-handed, uh, blatantly playing upon Jennifer Garner's looks type of description for a movie is something that we generally, I think, don't do anymore because it's bad. It's not good. It's not good. It is bad. It's also not really telling us. I mean, it does tell us what happens in the movie, but it doesn't make us want to watch the movie, really. No, it doesn't. It doesn't give you any hooks for what could be to come. It doesn't say anything like, you know, fights with 
master ninjas and traveling, world traveling adventures and hiding out in camp. It doesn't give you any of that kind of no quick hit kind of thing to suck you in and make you want to actually pop this thing into the VHS player. Oh, God. And don't even get me started on the DVDs. Mm. Mm. No, I won't. I won't, Rob, because that would make this whole situation longer. And I don't think that's what we want with this movie. No. And, you know, here's the thing. We've watched a lot of like quote unquote bad movies, Bill, but there's like a level to it. And this one, we can go through the cast in a sec, but I just want to talk a little bit about why like there was a contract to make this movie and it feels like it, you know, Mm -hmm. it feels like it was forced and it feels like. Although all of the elements are there for like standard cheesy early 2000s hour and a half 90 minute action film like it's missing the marvel of a marvel tale and it feels very shoehorned in with some of like the ninja mysticism and you know it it may not be what we would do nowadays in terms of movies but it also like falls flat for then like this wasn't yes people weren't very excited about it then and it just like i said shoehorned but like it feels like they're like oh what this this has to be magic somehow there has to be some sort of like supernatural part of this movie it can't just be about electra being an assassin no it doesn't and uh that's where it falls flat you nailed it rob because you said this is the movie that was contracted this is a movie that had to be made it's not a movie that anybody wanted to make so this was all set up after daredevil garner was on contract to make this movie it's clearly fallen into that same trap of well we have to do it and so there's no driving force there's no love there's no fan in this movie and there's a lot to like about the character of electra if you've read the comics or not i mean just the general description of you know it's an incredible female assassin who goes from place to place. And we all know the shorthand ninjas and even slightly mystical type of stuff. But this movie suffers from a a studio that decided that we're going to go ahead and we're going to do this, but we didn't really do well with daredevil, which was kind of dark and gritty and urban, which is what the characters are. So what do we got? That's hot. Well, you know what else was hot at this time? X-Men. Oh yes. X-Men was because we had been, Mm Mm-hmm. We had had three X-Men movies at this point or just the two can't swear to it. X-Men came out in 2000. So it, it if we haven't got the third one, we're pretty close yeah. to it at this point. And it just falls into that. We got to have a mutant gang kind of trap. Yeah. So yeah, the movie sways out into myst mystical, magical type of stuff, which is goofy. And I think you could trace it back to the studio just, didn't want to make a hardcore assassin movie. They just looked at this and went, eh, comic booky stuff and picked some stuff and ran with it. And well, X-Men's hot. Let's throw in some X-Men type villains into it. And that's when you get this mishmash of it's a movie, but it's not really going anywhere. And nobody's really driving it in a way that matters. And it's sad because there's some talent in this movie. It's so true. I let, let's roll through some of the cast though, because speaking of talent, like, we said it. Jennifer Garner plays Electra, reprising her role from Daredevil. We got Goran Viznich. I don't know how to say this. Viznich? I think that's close. Apologies, Goran. 
plays Mark Miller, which not to be confused with Mark Millar. Um, <laughs> that threw me yeah. too. Uh, Kristen Zian plays Abby Miller. Will Young Lee plays Karigi. And then I think the only other really notable person would be Terrence Stamp plays Stick. Oh, yes. Terrence, yes, Terrence Stamp. Stamp. Very notable. You got General Zod in your movie. Now, your superhero Marvel movie. And as we all know, Peter Madrigal's favorite movie is Superman 2. Yeah. With Terrence Stamp. Yeah. And Electra, I'm sure, is close <laughs> behind. I'm sure Peter follows up <laughs> Superman 2. Watches Electra, does a little back to back every now and then. You, yeah, we'll have How to ask. How dare him. you even compare this movie to Superman 2, Bill? I know. There is no comparison. <laughs> it's not even oh, close. Oh, man. So let's talk about like our relationships to this one. It's standard, standard protocol on this podcast. Um, all I learned from Electra was from the movies. And I feel like they did a, a decent um, job telling her story but not a good job executing it am i right there like they kept like her greek yeah background but i'm not sure why she was also into martial arts like i don't there's some pieces did you read electra at all i did uh i read a lot of daredevil when i was a kid i was reading it at uh later on uh kind of after one of her many resurrections in the comic book. So I was aware of her general backstory and the general character and who she was uh, before I'd ever seen the Daredevil movie or this movie afterwards. So I have a, I have a decent idea of where they were all going with Electra, especially the Frank Miller version of Electra, which was remarkably short lived when it all came down to it. But she was one of those characters in the comics that other writers would come in and, you know, she had one of those characters that had died and was brought back by whoop, knocking on my door and I don't know why. Is this for the, the Terry Kitty Litter Corner? I don't think so. New segment on the show? Uh, no, no, that is definitely not going to become a thing. Although, it, well, then we might get a sponsorship from Chewy and that is big money, Rob. So maybe I'm going to change my mind on that. But no, getting back to it, yeah. So I, I was familiar with the electric character and this, uh, the Daredevil movie did a decent, like you said, a decent job of saying it, not a decent job of executing it in any real way. Yeah. And this movie doesn't carry over that story very well either. And that's a real problem for anybody who does know this character. And to be fair, Elektra, not a mainstream character in any way compared to like a Captain America or the name recognition of a Iron Man or Thor or anything like that. Yeah. And you, you can't piece together even a guess at what her character would be. Just by the name. Right. You could maybe piece together what a Thor would be or an Iron Man or a Captain America. So I think that also is tough for an audience, you know? Yeah, you have to take a character like this, which is a lower tier character. You have to explain them well within your movie because not even the people that know the character, there's not going to be a lot of those. So you need to be able to see the nugget of that character, know that it's a good thing, and then really put it up front really quickly and let people get in and go, Oh, this is why I should be interested in this person and go from there. Mm -hmm. And her, she's rather muddied in the movies about why anything is going on with her at all. Can we just take a moment to talk about her being brought back to life? Mm -hmm. So she, she dies in daredevil, which is, I think why this movie suffered so much because people are like, what are you doing to us? Marvel? Like, what are you, you're, 
like it felt disingenuous for them to make the Electra movie. Like it felt like a cash grab, which it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but also they don't execute it in a way, no pun intended, in a way that would make people go, oh no, you want to go see Electro because of like, there's actually a reason for why she's alive. And, and the reason is a preamble animation that says the type of martial arts that stick practices can sometimes let you bring people back from the dead. How? I have no idea. But also they repeat that and don't let you forget it about three times throughout the movie. So I wonder if anyone else is going to die that Electra will then have to bring back to life. Could it be the young new Electra? Could be. It's possible if you believe in this kind of foreshadowing, which we do. (laughs) Because we've seen these movies. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, and it's always the tightrope you walk with a character self-contained from a comic book that is human-based. And, you know, ninjas kind of get a pass sometimes. They're considered almost quasi-mythical, depending on who does the movie as to what they can get away with. But the minute you start do the heavy mysticism and you've got the reincarnation by what I have called and what was confirmed by the wife that was sitting there next to me watching it. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ross, but I think a little later down the line in another franchise that there's a there's a character that somehow magically brings people back to life using the force. I mean, sorry, not the force. Mm. Uh, you know, magic. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Marvel stole bringing people back with the force from Elektra. There, I said it. Put it out on Front Street. That's my first hot take of the episode. There's going to be more, so... Stay tuned, everybody. Let's just put it out there. It's a little bit easy. It is. It's a little bit easy. And like you said, it just muddies the waters because there's this character who's got a movie who's dead. You know, they don't, they didn't do the marketing like she's back from the dead. Is she zombie Electra? Is she any of these things? No. And it, it's, it's a storyline that you can do in a comic book because you've got the leeway to do it and stretch it out and explain it. But in a movie, it just comes out of nowhere. And you don't even say, he doesn't even say why he brings her back to life. He just, no, does. For the movie. For the movie, because he's under contract. Yeah. But also, like, come on, just, I don't know. Like, it's so easy for us to be like, come on, care about your characters, do this, do that, do the other. But really, it is one of those things where it's like, sometimes a movie is just contractually obligated to get made, and no one wants to put in the extra effort because they're being forced to make it, essentially. Yeah, and I think so. Maybe you only get this person making the script and no rewrites unless you're rewriting it on shoot day. And I have a feeling some of the actors didn't necessarily want to feel as passionate about this project. It's entirely possible that a few of them were, I don't know, phoning it in maybe, maybe a little bit, maybe, maybe, maybe a couple of them. Uh, Bill, with that said, should we jump into our next segment? I think we should do that. And we call it, What's under the mask? Ben Affleck filmed a cameo reprising the role of Daredevil in the form of Matt Murdock, but it was cut from the final film. If that tells you anything about this movie, why would you? I I do not understand how on earth that would be the decision. I don't know because 
this movie desperately needs the Daredevil connection, if for nothing else than to cement who she was and why she's there and why she died in the first place. You see a glimpse of it and you hear his name once in a while, and it doesn't need to be a heavy handed treatment of it, but it's you're bouncing this character, spinning it off out of the main character from your other movie. It would only make sense that he would be involved somehow, even if not in a present day cameo, which I think his cameo is actually, if I'm not mistaken, it's a like a dream sequence that she has at a point in the movie where she's talking to Matt. I think it's when uh, Typhoid kills her, but yeah, could be. or it could have been a dream sequence. There's a couple of those. Could be. Uh, regardless, it could have made for at least a better trailer if we got a little bit of Matt Murdock in there. Yeah, for sure. And it definitely could have helped with some Deuce X origin or Deuce X motivation, depending on how <laughs> it got inserted into the film. But yeah, a little a, a, a little bit of the Daredevil would have gone a long way to help this movie in its storyline, for sure, placed in the right spot. Well, what else do you have on the What's Under the Mask? So it's interesting that uh, this is actually the first Marvel movie that has a female lead in it. Of all the ones we've seen up to this point, everything Marvel's put on screen, 2005, Elektra is the first female-led Marvel movie to hit the screen. And we don't get another one until Captain Marvel in 2019. There's Black Widow, and right. then there's the Wasp, and there's right. all of this. But yeah woman-led fronted movie yeah that's interesting it's like i guess part of me can see it because like there was unfortunately not that many like movies people were clamoring for i guess that weren't x-men or spider-man or iron man or whatever but it was uh it's nice to see at least at this point that they're starting to realize that the female characters are interesting they at least thought this was interesting enough to make a movie out of this character, which even if it's not the best movie, it's a step in the right direction. Sadly, it's done because this movie's box office, probably it's a step they quickly backpedaled on. So it's sad to see everybody. Yeah. And it's sad to see a thing that uh, they'll blame on the, they'll blame the failure of the movie more on the character and not how the story was written. Cause at the end of the day, it's the, it's the story. It's always yeah. the story. So Absolutely. that was kind of a, a, a good thing, quickly followed by a very sad thing. Well, here's a bizarre thing. In 92, apparently Oliver Stone revealed that he was working on an Electra film titled Electra Assassin. Whoa. Based on the comic book series of the same name. Oh, I would watch that immediately. Oh my immediately. God, it would have been so good. Oh, it would have been just dark and brutal and oh, it would have been a, full it, of political intrigue. Yeah, it would have been, you know, Kevin Costner off to the side, tracing the past of the size that traveled through villain, villain, this other villain. Everyone's eyebrows would be wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soundtrack would be amazing. You can bet yeah. your bottom dollar on that. Well, what, what's your uh, last one for what's under the mask, Bill? So there apparently there's some footage cut from the film of Mark Miller fending off hand ninjas at the cabin in the movie where Electra and he first kind of come into contact with these people. So I find that 
interesting and sad again because that character and Abby as the father and daughter, it's not really clear to me as this movie's going along why these things are happening to them, them dead in the first place, and have managed to live this long. Elector even says, like, they have to run. Everybody they go to for help says, you're dead. You're dead already. The hand is the worst. The hand comes after you. That's the end of the thing. So how have you made it this far on your own? So to have seen him perhaps taking on a couple of ninjas and at least being able to defend themselves enough to be on the run would have put some context into these people. And I think given them more motivation and actually made them more believable as people on screen in this crazy situation, how they've managed to survive this far. So once again, you know, of the things that you kept in this movie, uh, the things you can lose in the edit sometimes will make you cry. And I think that tells me that somewhere on the floor, there's a better version of this movie with these characters. And we did not get it. Not at all. Now it's time to suit up. This is where we discuss the look of the movie, costumes, especially in a Marvel film, and what succeeds and fails. What impressed you? What can't you forgive? Uh, I'm going to start right at the top. It impressed me that they put Elektra in a red outfit. She wears dark black leather in Daredevil, and I couldn't wait for us to get out of the trap of this time, the 90s and the early 2000s, the X-Men carried it over of Give me the costume. These are colorful characters. Put them on screen. And it was fine that this wasn't the costume that she wears in the comic books. That happens a lot. I'm not hung up on that. As long as the essence of it is there. And seeing Jennifer Garner cut loose in that red assassin outfit, while it is implausible, it's not yeah. really good for, uh, I would think, a lot of combat, especially, you know, outside in the cold. But on screen, it looked great. Really, really liked it. Um, I'm just going to piggyback on that because I didn't even write this one in my notes. Like there's a scene towards the beginning where she like spins around and like all of her hairs in her face and it's the wind. And I was like, this is a total 90s. Like they used an image from the comic and now they're and like it just didn't translate. Like I do also love it when they give us the bright red colors as contrast and like they it looks more comic booky than like tactical. Uh-huh. Um but like that just didn't work because it's like, wow, you're an assassin and like all your hair is in your face. That's like I'm not even trying to laugh at it. It's just like this in a comic book panel looks awesome on screen in slow mo with the wind blowing. Not as much, unfortunately. So that was a bad one for me. So much wind, so much wind in this movie. This wind, the wind is almost its own character. It is just whipping <laughs> things around it's there when it doesn't need to be there's no explanation for why it's there and i don't know if you're doing so windy inside all of these buildings yeah i mean come on man put that hair in a ponytail jen this can't be how you're going to go out and face these people you're just going to spend the rest of the movie you know going and spitting the hair out of your mouth as it flies in there it's crazy also as an assassin you're leaving dna yeah Shave your head. Yeah, there's a scene in the movie, dear viewers and friends, where she's on the floor scrubbing the crime scene. And they're like, why are you doing that? She's like, I'm getting rid of my DNA. I'm like, I think even at this point in 2005, we all know that's not how you get rid of DNA. And if you really want to do it, you better be sealed in an airtight suit all the way around because (laughs) it's everywhere. And you're, you know, you're, you're, you're five foot long strands of hair are probably going to be found all over this guy's apartment. So not great. Yeah. Well, I'll say something good that I liked. 
the villains looked like villains. And I also said Electra looked like Electra because she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, I there's some X-Menification of the villains, but at least they looked like comic book villains. And they were like a, a, a crew that was sent to take on Electra. Now, if I dissect that any further, there's some problems, but the villains looked like villains. This is true. They did. And that you're right. I think that is a direct kind of X-Mini type of thing. They do look like the Brotherhood coming out of nowhere, which is strange since, you know, we're told we're, we're given the Ninja Hand Clan, which is pretty cool. But to be fair, if you just get a lot of nameless ninjas, they all do look the same at one point. So which is one of the things actually I think was good about the movie. I think the fighting sequences are pretty good. I, I don't yeah. have a lot of problems with them. I, they're energetic. I they're fun. The rationale behind them isn't very good. And the story that surrounds them <laughs> isn't very good, but they really worked hard and props to Jennifer Garner. I think she really put in some work on the wire act and, and did some great stuff. The villains, the ninjas, they, they look really neat and all that. Um, the one thing that's kind of shocking that's all falls into the bad category is this movie is incredibly bloodless for a ninja assassin movie oh yeah oh yeah and i did look it up and it said that the studio wanted it to be a pg-13 movie and as soon as you do that you're going to handcuff your dark and gritty tone a lot and it really doesn't work in a lot of ways Electra herself i'm not mistaken she's never even injured in this entire movie in a way that we see she never gets cut she never gets a bruise no it's just really really odd so that it affects the whole look of the movie in a way that just doesn't make any sense and it makes them lean on a lot of really bad cgi to to take up the distance although the villain tattoo in your mutant crew is pretty interesting i I think he's the most interesting thing in there yeah i there's like no hero's journey with electra i think that's what it is so like when she's never really like she gets typhoid kills her at one point but we already know people can be brought back to life so we weren't really too worried about that especially when stick was sticking around the whole time uh one other bad thing i just wanted to say this is this is very dastardly the movie was had a weird blur to it and it was like very shiny in some scenes like something about like there was no like visual continuity when they were inside and she's cleaning up the DNA, like you're talking about that one time, feels like it's shot on film. When you're in any sort of like mansion scene in Greece, like it feels like it's total green screen set, you know, like there was so much about it that just felt like, I don't know. I was not immersed into the film. Yeah. It, I, I understand what you're saying now that you pointed it out. There was something about it that seemed off, and maybe that was it. Maybe it's too bright in a lot of places. Uh, mm. It has a lot of daylight scenes that it, you'll go from really bright and then really in focus, and then the darker stuff is in that wonderful blue light in a lot of places, but it's fairly yes. well lit too. And maybe that's, maybe we're getting too good a look at this movie. I'm not sure. And it seems like to me, there's a, this movie suffers from too many extreme close-ups in a lot of situations. They want to get yeah. very close to people when they're talking and when they're interacting to the point where 
you do a lot of two shots, it seems, this back and forth and not just a lot of people in screen. So, yeah, I don't know. I think you're now you, you pointed it out to me. You're right. It's, it does have a weird film to VHS type of shift to it in some places. It's very odd. Straight to tape. Should we move on to the hero or villain segment? I think we should. I want to say, after saying all of what I've just done, my hero of this movie is Jennifer Garner. And wow, I know. And I'm going to say that's not exactly the best thing because of all the people in this movie. And it's not a large cast. This is not a huge amount of people or even extras in this movie that come across the screen. I didn't really feel connected to any of them in any real sort of way, but Jennifer does as much as she can with the script that she's got. And I did look up, I don't think uh, she was particularly happy with this movie. It's been noted that she kind of no. dogged it in the press and didn't really speak well of it when it came out. Everyone or, loves when you do that. Yeah, they don't like her. that. But even so, uh, she did a lot of good stunt work. She did some exciting things. I don't think she emoted a lot of it real well, but I don't think there was a lot there for her to do. And considering that Electra in the comic books is a kind of not ethereal, but she's captivating in a way. And Jennifer Garner is a lovely girl and a lovely woman, but she also kind of has them for me, that girl next door. She was shooting alias at the same time. So you've got a character that kind of works that way. And her not being like somebody like could have brought some more of the Electra background to it to make it more believable because her Greek heritage is never really put into any of this at all to the point where when it comes up, it feels odd and strange when you hear it because you're going, ah, I don't think that's right, Jennifer Garner. But of all the things that are going on in this movie, you know, she's the hero and well, anti-hero, I guess you would put it. And she is the thing that I look at and focus on the most in this movie. So she managed to captivate me at least somewhat into this. And that was no small feat for what we're given. Hmm. So she gets my hero role. I'm going to give my hero role to the villains. Whoa. Because, and I mean, and I don't mean like the main villain sword fighter guy. I just mean the gang of like what is, like you said earlier, pretty much the brotherhood of mutants. I just think, Nothing else really jumped out at me. I was like, if anyone's doing their job 100%, it's these bad guys, these bad guy villains. And just Jennifer Garner didn't do it for me. She didn't sell me on Electra. The other stick didn't sell me on Sick. You know, it's, it's just, this is a tough one. But that, that, I would say I have to give the hero to the villains. Now, my villain is going to be Typhoid because... And maybe it's tied with stick because there was just there were just too over the top. Like, I know Typhoid was part of the villain crew, but the villain crew is a crew. That was my hero. When you start pulling away the skin of that onion, you know, Typhoid was a little bit. I don't know. It just felt like poison ivy, <laughs> you know, like over the top. And then stick was like, who plucked Zod? out and threw him in as a martial arts master. What is this? It was wild. What about you, Bill? Who's your villain? Well, 
not far off from what you said. My villain is the character of Stick in this movie. Uh, what a waste of Terrence Stamp. Yeah. What an absolute waste. The the character of Stick in the comics is a is a gruff, sometimes mean, cruel instructor. You know, he teaches through pain and whatever, but he's he's not stupid and he's not corny. And everything, every line that Terrence Stamp utters in this feels like a bad fortune cookie wrapped in a bad kung fu theater script. It's just awful. And he, the way he comes on screen, he, he just no part of this makes any sense whatsoever for the guy. They put him in, he's got white hair. Great stick has white hair. That's not good enough at all. And there's one, no. one scene in particular in this movie where we're told that once Dick brings Electra back from the dead, she goes back to his camp with his bunch of ninjas and this training. And he boots her out at one point, turns her out into the world. She's too mean. She's too whatever. He can't teach her. Nothing for her to learn here. And then circles back X number of years later to tell her, well, you were always a good person. You just needed to know that. So like your oh, idea yeah, of supporting yeah, yeah. her was to kick her out into the world. Just leave her on her own, abandon her after this huge trauma where she turns into an assassin for hire, kills who knows how many people so that you can then find out, oh, you're fine. You know, you were good after all. That was my plan the whole time. What kind of help is that? Uh, shitty. That is a bullshit right there. So Stick's my villain. He's just, his motivations, everything about him in this movie is just awful. It's terrible. <laughs> Time for the splash panel. Which scene would you show to get someone to watch this movie? I drew a blank, but I think I would just say the opening scene because that was still at least very over the top fun with the guy explaining Electra and just knowing he was about to die. Wow. You and I might have been doing this too long because I had the exact same experience. Yeah. Drew a total blank. Yeah. Had to go for help. And talk it out and came up with the same thing that it would be from the basically the point of just short of Electra confronting the what we are assume is a villain at the beginning of this movie that she'd been contracted to kill, where he is kind of giving us her origin story in a way yeah. that we don't get anywhere else. He's explaining to somebody else in the room, one of his security guards, who Electra is, what she does, how good she is at it, why we should be afraid of her. And then she does confront him. And that part of the movie's pretty good as yeah. far as what it's leading up to, where she's there, he's discussing it. There's some cool interaction there. It's real, real kind of almost gangster, but very almost Kill Bill Tarantino-ish in a way. And it is interesting. You're giving it some credit, but yes, I can see what you mean. Yeah, it's definitely not Tarantino, <laughs> but the vibe of when you're watching it is enough to go, oh. I kind of want to see where this is going. Now, it's kind of a cheat because none of the movie after that looks like this. But it is the scene I would also show people. I'd be like, you know, hey, if you want to watch this movie, check it out. And this is the kind of person she's supposed to be. So, and yeah, it feels a little, a little disingenuous because it would be almost tricking you into watching a movie that is nothing like that. That's my scene. So I think we've doubled down on this, Rob. We put two sighs <laughs> right into this category. Uh, and no blood came out. Just some green goo. It's time for us to give our final thoughts and rate this film where we go to the Marvel mailbag. 
So, Bill, why don't you tell me your final thoughts and then let me know if this film is worthy to lift the hammer. It's not the worst thing ever. You can watch it. And I think it's a movie that probably lends itself towards got a lot of people working on this thing, but not a lot of real passion. I don't think anybody's trying to make a bad movie, but they're definitely also not working hard to make it a good movie. Very disjointed innocent movie. This could have been a really great genre martial arts, even mystical ninja type things set within the Marvel universe. They do these characters really well. Daredevil is whole out the best parts of it and run with it. And I would like to see Elektra get another shake. I think now if you gave that character to the right people, with right hands on the tiller yeah. of this movie, I think you'd get a really, really fun genre type movie that would be very entertaining. But this one, I'm afraid just doesn't fall into that category. And because of that, when it comes to hammer time, if I'm asking myself, is this film worthy of being an Electra movie? I'm afraid it's not. It is well short. And like Electra does with her victims, this movie fills me full of size because it's sad. Well, Bill, uh, I love your pun. And I agree with you on pretty much everything. I don't even think this is necessarily not having a fan involved. I think it this suffered from the beginning. They said they had to make a movie. They made a movie out of force. And so they forced themselves to get to the finish line. But they, I said it earlier, they set themselves up for failure by killing the character when they knew they were going to be making a movie about the character. How do you do that? Why do you do that? And then why do you not have at least any sort of forethought to think how we're going to go around that? And that no one worked on it. So with the majority of the things you said and all of these other issues, it is not worthy of lifting Majolner. And, uh, that brings us to the end, and we only have one more episode left for this season of Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. But let me tell you that we're going to be ending on a big bang. Oh, yeah. We are going to have a whole lot of fun with it. I won't tell you what it is yet, dear listener, but we will have a returning guest, and uh, we'll all be chomping cigars. What does that mean? You don't know. That could mean a few different things, couldn't it? So, Bill, I think we should give some calls to actions and thank yous, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we've got a list of people to thank. I'd like to thank Jothan, as always, for our amazing show art. And we'd like to thank Draxium and Dr. Z for our killer theme song. Unlike Electra, oh, yes. this movie kills in a good way. So that's awesome. And Always thank the amazing Mrs. Columbo who QAs our episodes, checks them out. Make sure that Rob and I don't do anything that will bring down the hand of <laughs> dissatisfaction upon us from you, our dear friends and listeners. So, Rob's, what else can people do to go out there and support this show? Well, if you'd like to avoid turning into green smoke, uh, the biggest thing you can do is send this podcast to a friend in your group text. Say, hey, I enjoyed this whole series. And they haven't even gotten to Planet of the Apes yet. But uh, if you'd like to hear them talk about Marvel films and The Predator, boy, howdy, this is for you. 
you can also join our Discord. You can send a donation. All of these links are in the show notes. You can also leave us a voicemail, and uh, we'll answer that question on a future episode of the podcast, or we'll just play your voicemail. Uh, maybe it's not a question at all. Maybe it's just a fun little tidbit about an electric comic you read one day. Uh, once again, all those links are in the show notes. This has been Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, and we are sighing off from today's episode. See, I fit one in there, Bill. Oh, I, I bow to the master. <laughs> all right. See you next week. Thanks, Rob's.